Today's scripture reading is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Now, it's a wonderful life. It's a Christmas classic, isn't it? I bet everyone's seen it at least once. Amen? We won't, show a, we won't have a show of hands, but I dare say that most of us have seen it more than a few times. It's made in 1946, and for those of you who have an aversion to black and white films, shame on you. I think that is the movie that got my wife over the hump with black and white films. It's a wonderful life, starring James Stewart as George Bailey. You're familiar with the story, a, a down on his life, small town buildings and loan operator who is indeed contemplating jumping off a bridge because his life is not what he thought it should be. And the movie is widely, widely recognized as one of the finest and most heartwarming movies that has ever been made. The movie is set at Christmas time in a small fantasy town called Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey's life is not as he thought it should be. And as far as he was concerned, he was not having a wonderful life. But while he is on that bridge, contemplating jumping off that bridge, he is suddenly visited by an angel named Clarence. And Clarence tries to convince George, that his life is worth living. And besides, if Clarence is successful, Clarence is going to get some wings. The movie is so popular because it reminds us that it's the simple things in life, family and friends and even faith, that make for a wonderful life. It took an angel. It took an angel to, to look back in time for George to see how wonderful life could really be. 
In some ways, beloved, this is how it was with Joseph. It took an angel. It took an angel for him to understand what a wonderful life God was preparing to give <clears throat> to him and the world. For most, for most of us, Christmas is an exciting time. It is a time to in, enjoy the, and appreciate those things that mean the most to us. But, but this wasn't the case for Joseph. It wasn't the case for that first Christmas. Because for Joseph, it was promising to be a scary time. It was surely to be a time of anxiety and uncertainty. Well, you see, Joseph had a fiance, and her name was Mary. And Mary was the love of his life. She was the apple of his eye. And, and they were making plans, plans for a wedding, plans for friends and family to come from afar and to celebrate their love with them. All seemed right in Joseph's world. He was planning a wonderful life. That is, until Joseph learned some heart-stopping news. We don't know how he learned it. We don't know how he discovered it. But lo and behold, he discovered that his Mary was with child. And he knew the baby was not his. Don't know how he found out, but when he did, you can imagine he was devastated. You can imagine the emotions that he experienced, frustration, confusion, embarrassment, anger, disappointment, fear, fear. Fear because he was afraid of losing Mary. Fear because he was afraid of others finding out. Fear because he was afraid of what he might be forced to do. And what was he to do? What was he to do, beloved? Faced with the prospect of public shame, Fearful of an uncertain future? For Joseph, this wasn't the idea of a wonderful life. This was indeed his worst nightmare. And notice what the Bible says. In the midst of all these emotions that Joseph is undoubtedly experiencing, Listen to what the Bible says in verse 20 of chapter 1 of Matthew. But as he considered these things, as he was experiencing all these emotions, and as he was contemplating what was going to be his next move, 
and fearful of the consequences of his choices. The Bible says, Behold, an angel of the Lord. He wasn't about to jump off the bridge, but an angel came. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. While Joseph was contemplating what he was to do, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And we are not told who this angel is, but I think this morning, beloved, that we could be fairly confident that this is Gabriel. That this is Gabriel because Gabriel is the angel of good news. Gabriel is the angel of Christmas. It was Gabriel who appeared to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 and verse 19. It was Gabriel who was sent to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And I have no doubt that it was Gabriel who was sent to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and verse 9. Gabriel is the angel of the good news. He is the angel of Christmas. He is the angel sent specially to accompany the coming of Jesus. That's why I think it's safe to say that the angel that appeared to Joseph in this dream is Gabriel. Beloved, it is important to understand that Jesus may have come into this world as a baby born in a lowly manger, but Jesus did not come into this world alone. The angels attended his coming. And not only did the angels attend his coming, but the angels was with, were with him every day. The incarnation is also the revelation and the realization of the angels. The angels were with Jesus when he was born, and the angels was with Jesus every step of his life. And why is that? Because that's what angels do. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14 that angels are servants. They are ministering spirits. They are servants of the Lord sent to serve the people and purposes of God. They were with Jesus and all around Jesus every day of his life. And beloved, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13 and verse 2 that they are with and around us every day. Now, this is not going to be a sermon on angels. We'll save that for another time. But I do want to make a point, beloved, that there are too many references in the Scriptures this morning for us to discount or take lightly the presence of angels. I could tell you several times in my own life and how I sense the presence of angels ministering to and through me. 
I don't know how often Joseph seen angels. I don't know how often Joseph heard angels. But I do know that he was seen and he was hearing one now. And notice what the angel said. When the angel speaks, God speaks, beloved. It's the angel of the Lord. When the angel speaks, God speaks. What the angel says, God says. And the angel tells Joseph that, Joseph, I am not here to fix your life, but I am here to declare that there is one coming who will. This isn't Clarence talking to George Bailey. This is Gabriel talking to Joseph. And this is real. Listen, Joseph. Mary has not been unfaithful. In fact, the very opposite is true. She has been found faithful by God. Let her, therefore, Joseph, be found faithful in your sight. Fear not. Fear not, Joseph. Fear not the moment. God is doing a new thing, a thing that has never been done before. Mary is not just having a child. Mary is going to give birth to God. Mary is not just having a child. Mary is going to have a most holy child. Mary is going to have a most helpful child. Mary is going to have a most historic child. It's going to be a most holy child. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The child she carries is of the Holy Spirit. He is Holy Spirit conceived. He is Holy Spirit anointed. He is holy. He is sanctified. He is set apart for the purposes and plan of God. He is without sin. He is without blame. He is without blemish. He is holy because holy is his name. Gabriel, beloved, was just stopping by to tell Joseph what he had already told Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, And the angel Gabriel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. That's why we sing, I call you holy. Your name is holy. You are so holy to me. I call you holy. Your name is holy. Holy you are. And holy You'll be. Joseph, she's going to give birth to a most holy child. But she's also going to give birth to a most helpful child. They may call him holy, 
but heaven had already decided to make it easy on Joseph. You and Mary are not going to have to sit around and try to decide what you're going to name the boy. Heaven has already decided. Heaven has already declared that that which is growing in Mary, his name shall be Jesus. We got him already picked out. His name is Yeshua. His name is salvation. His name is Jesus. Oh, beloved, and what a most helpful name it is. His name is Jesus. He came to help the helpless. He came to seek and to save the lost. Joseph, you don't know it now, but the world will understand that there will be power in that name. There will be deliverance in that name. There will be salvation in that name. Do you remember Psalm 20 and verse 7 where the psalmist says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Well, Joseph, I'm here to tell you what that name is. That name is Jesus. 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 There's just something about that name, kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's just something, Brother Murph, about that name. He's going to be a most holy child, Joseph. He's going to be a most helpful child but he's also going to be a most historic child. The Bible assures us that the birth of Jesus may be something new, but the coming of Jesus, the coming of Jesus was the fulfillment of a promise that God had made long, long, long ago. But the Bible reminds us that Jesus may be his name, but he is Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, he is the fulfillment of the great promise of God that he made over and over and over again to his people. It is the promise that, he, that God made to the patriarchs. As he was speaking to Jacob, reminding Jacob in Genesis chapter 26 and, and 24 that I am with you is the promise that he made to Moses as he sends Moses to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12 where he says, I am with you. This is the promise that God made to the prophets in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 2 where he says, I am with you. This is the promise that God made to his people. In Haggai chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. And what is the Lord's message? I am with you, declares the Lord. This is the message of the incarnation of Jesus. The incarnation of Jesus is the incarnation of the promises of God. 
The promises of God became flesh. That's what the Bible says, beloved. John chapter 1 and verse 14. But the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It means Jesus is Emmanuel. That the promises of God have become flesh and they will dwell among you because God will dwell among you. Christ is the promise that God made when God says, I will be with you. God with us. Christ is God with us. The promise of God, beloved, is the promise of his presence. That's the promise of God. That's always been the promise of God. His promise is his presence. He ain't promised you that you're going to have a big bank account. He didn't promise you that you're never going to get sick. He didn't promise you that you won't ever suffer loss. He hasn't promised you that your loved ones won't die. What he has promised is his presence in the midst of it all. The promise of God is the promise of his presence. And what does that mean? Why is that so important? Because when God is present, it means God is on your side. God is on your side. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 118. As Pastor Phil read this morning, in verse 6 and 7. You weren't paying attention then, but maybe you'll pay attention now. The Bible says that the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as what? He is my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It means that the Lord is on your side. And if he's on your side, it means that the Lord is for you. He is for you. The so Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 reminds us, right? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us. Who can be against us? That's what it means for God to be on your side. It means that the Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. And this is Jesus, beloved. This is the message that Jesus is communicating to Joseph. Joseph, God is on your side. The baby that is being born to Mary is God with you. God is for you. God is on your side. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. Whatever be tides, this baby is on your side. This baby is for you. That's what Jesus is, beloved. Jesus is God with us. And what does that mean? Well, as the narrative reminds us that Jesus is God with us in worship. That's what it means. Jesus is God with us in worship. The coming of Jesus is the opening up of praise. It's the opening up of worship. Before, before Jesus came, beloved, before Jesus, worship was ritualistic. 
It was sacrifices and offerings. It was tabernacles and temples. When Jesus came, when Jesus was born, Jesus became our sacrifice and offering. Jesus became our tabernacle and temples. He is with us to make worship possible. He has come to be with us to make worship acceptable. Worship is now centered in Jesus. That baby that was born brought with him worship. And he opened up worship to the world. And worship is now centered in Jesus. This is what the wise men knew. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, what did they say when they came? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. Those who know still seek him. When Jesus was born, worship was reborn. Worship was no longer just in God. Worship became Jesus. It's what we sing. It's what we sing. When we sing the words of the Little drummer boy, come, they told me, pa-rumpa-bum-bum, a newborn king to see, pa-rumpa-bum-bum, our finest gifts we bring, pa-rumpa-bum-bum, to lay before the king, pa-rumpa-bum-bum, rumpa-bum-bum, rumpa-bum-bum, me and my drum. We come, me and my drum, to worship him because he is here with me to make this worship possible. And that's what we do, beloved. All I have is a drum. And he says, come, you and your little drum. You just come. No more tabernacles. No more temples. No more sacrifices. No more offerings. Just you and your drum. You come. Christ is with us. So we might worship. Christ is God with us in peace. This is the presence of the Lord. It is the presence of his peace. When the Lord says, I am with you, how many times does he accompany that I am with you with? Fear not. Fear not. He said to Joshua in chapter 1 and verse 9, Be strong, Joshua. And courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. He said to Isaiah in Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not, 
fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And is it any wonder then, is it any wonder then that when Gabriel comes to Joseph, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. For God has sent Emmanuel, and he is with you. Why do we need the Lord with us? You know why you need the Lord with you? Because the world is full of bullies. The world is full of bullies. And we know what bullying is. We've all experienced it to some degree or another. Many of you were the bullies. We've all experienced bullying in school or at home, at work, on the playground. You know what? Being bullied is a lonely place, beloved. I avoided bullies. That's what you do. When I was growing up, you know, in, in middle school, the girls tend to be bigger and more developed than the boys. And there was just one girl who was really developed and really big. And she would bully us boys. And so anytime I saw her, I won't call her name. Anytime I never forget it, I'll never forget it though. Every time I saw her, I kind of went in the other direction. <laughs> Tried to avoid her. She got her kicks on bullying boys. It was a terrible thing, man. Psychologically, it just messed you all up. Brother Shepard, just messed you all up. But you know the one time that you weren't worried about the bully? Is when your boys were with you. When you were all crewed up. <laughs> and you walk right past the bully. Because your boys are with you. You do understand, beloved, that there's bullies still all around us. Sin is a bully. The world is a bully. Your own flesh is a bully. The devil is a bully. But when Jesus shows up, you get crewed up. And when Jesus says, I am with you, then you walk right by the bullies. That's what he means. Don't fear the bullies. Don't fear sin. Don't fear discouragement. Don't fear condemnation. Don't fear worry. Don't fear disappointment. Don't fear doubt. Joseph, don't fear fear. God in Christ Jesus is with you. He's with you. And you know what he says? The moment that the bully steps to you, Jesus says, oh, no, peace be still. When the storm starts raging, Jesus stands up and says, oh, no, peace be still. 
when discouragement comes and begins to take over your night and your sleep, Jesus is with you and he says, peace be still. There is no bullying here. That's what it means. Joseph, you don't have to be afraid. Don't let them bully you into putting Mary away. Don't let society bully you and being ashamed. Don't let this culture bully you in thinking that she or you are less than anything that God has called you to do. He who is born of Mary is Emmanuel, God with you, and he says, peace be still. Walk right on by the bullies this morning. That is Christ, God with us. He is with us in peace. Jesus is God with us in joy. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is God with us in joy. Do you know that if there is one emotion that symbolizes Christmas. It's joy. Joy. If there is one emotion, one emotion that the baby Jesus engendered among those in his life and around him, it was joy. Joy. Is what Mary said after she received the testimony of Gabriel in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 47, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is what happened to, to, to her cousin Elizabeth and her baby John that was in Elizabeth. The Bible says that as Mary pregnant with Jesus, approach Elizabeth, pregnant with John. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 44 that as soon as the sound of her greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. This is the response of the shepherds. When the angels came to them as they were watching their flocks by night in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, and the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And what news is that? That there has born, been born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is Emmanuel. He will be God with you and being with you, bringing you joy. Joy, joy. In a world filled with sorrow, Jesus centers us in joy. That's what the baby does. 
That's what the presence of God is. That's the promise of God with us. He is with us to center us in joy. In a world troubled by pain and grief, Jesus is the center of our joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment and the hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. That's why we sing that, beloved. So when we say Emmanuel, we mean joy. God with us, joy. When we say Jesus, we mean joy. This is why every Christmas we sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy. Why? Because as Psalm 116 and verse 11 reminds us, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Jesus was not going to be present on that first Christmas and not bring joy. That's who he is. And when we say Emmanuel, we say joy. We mean joy. And so, beloved, I want to suggest to you this morning that a wonderful life is not Zuzu's petals. That a wonderful life is not angels getting their wings. A wonderful life, beloved, is not even the admiration of friends and family. A wonderful life is Emmanuel. A wonderful life is God with us and Jesus Christ this morning. A wonderful life is God with us in worship. It's God with us in peace. It is God with us in joy. I, don't, I didn't mean this morning to, to spoil this. Oh, it's a wonderful life for you this morning. I don't mean for you to go home and watch it with jaded eyes. I want you to watch it and realize that as good as that is, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And him is truly a wonderful life. Let's pray.